You are now on Channel 3. Man was seriously wounded, but the soul still burns. Welcome to the RF Generation Nation podcast, chapter 16. I'm your host, Jess. You can find me at rfgeneration.com as Slacker. And this is Adam. You guys know me as Big Man 2K. And we have a special guest on board. You folks know him as Crabmaster2000. But just so we don't have to pit him and Adam into a deathmatch for the rights of the 2K moniker, we're going to call him by his maiden name. Hi, everyone. This is Kelsey, Crabmaster. Coming up, we have what's new around the site, some gaming news, our interview with Crabmaster, some game shout-outs, and, of course, our industry standard top five. Let's get started. All right, new around the site, we've got uh, another submission of the Let's Watch Game Center CX series. This one has episodes, well, the season one episodes 8 through 10. I had, uh, we'd mentioned this in the last episode, and I just, uh, I'd been watching it for a while, but apparently I started watching season two, so I went back and started watching the first season, and it is everything I've wanted out of that show. It is absolutely quirky Japanese awesome humor. Um, plus they're playing like a bunch of classic, uh, they're all, well, they're playing Famicom games, but you know, some of them you've seen, some of them you probably haven't. And it's a great series to pick up on. Also for Halloween, we got to see Shadow Kisaragi's wife do the time warp. Awesome. Don't hit me. (laughs) And we had our October 2011 RFG Thanks, where we had Tynestore breaking, just shattering records with 10,000 submissions. Over 10,000 submissions. And uh, that... It doesn't, it doesn't count when you hack into GameFAQs, get to their source code, and just copy-paste. That <clears throat> technically is not allowed. And uh, also, this uh, it does mark Tynestar's seventh year on the site as well. So just, those just kind of uh, happen to fall in the same time, so... Congratulations to Tynestar, and thanks to everybody that contributed to the site uh, last month. Woohoo! Yeah, 10,000 is crazy. I remember trying to hit 1,000, and it was a lot of work. <laughs> oh, man, yeah. So, uh, as always, you can check out those stories and others at rfgeneration.com. Well, up next, we have our little bits of gaming news that interested us. Um, this one definitely <laughs> interests a lot of folks. Grand Theft Auto V was just announced. And, boy, it looks pretty nifty. What do you guys takes on Grand Theft Auto these days? I'm behind the times. I haven't put any time into them since the second one. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm probably in the same, a similar kind of boat. I mean, I played, I would say, almost none of three. Very, very little of Vice City. Um, and I played a little bit of San Andreas, but really... Nothing substantial. I kind of started four. It's, I mean, it seems interesting that they have such an open-ended world that it's almost to the point of third-person Sims. <laughs> yeah, it, it was remarkable watching the trailer if you haven't seen it because they've really got these animation routines set to where it looks like a, a thriving city. You know, it looks pretty amazing how. Uh, Everything falls into place, and it looks like, like you were saying, almost more like a simulation just from the, from the screenshots. And Rockstar's production value is such that they, they try to present it like an actual 
interactive movie as much as they do, you know, just a straight up video game. And I guess it's kind of telling uh, for for us as hosts in our uh, our site demographic because I haven't played all the way through a Grand Theft Auto, <laughs> and for a gaming podcast to have uh, all all three folks who are chatting never really put much time into a Grand Theft Auto considering their popularity is I guess that kind of speaks to we're. we're Definitely an old school and collector site, <laughs> uh, but you know, it, it, Grand Theft Auto is a series I always appreciated more than I enjoyed playing. I something about sandbox worlds like that. I start and I I might go through an hour or two's worth of missions until I get bored, try to steal something big, and then just do a bunch of damage or or goof off. But I just I don't know if I would call it overwhelmed, but I just get to where I get too distracted and I don't. Uh, like I appreciate them on a technical level, but I, you know I never really put much time into it. And then there was my my big gripe with the last one with four was that you had to maintain relationships in the game. I mean, you had phone calls and and you know you get online and you had to do all this. And it's like, man, if I'm putting this much work into a video game, I I, <laughs> I have friends I haven't called in years. Why would I keep up with a virtual it's, video game? <laughs> it's a it's new Second Life. It's second, I mean, virtual. Second sorry, life. virtual relationships. <laughs> I mean, don't don't get me wrong. Grand Theft Auto, I lo- I loved the first one. I, the overhead the overhead games were fantastic. And then I just I mean, really, and part of this may be because I never had a you know I didn't have a PlayStation two until fairly late in the cycle, which at a ten year cycle I guess would be halfway. Um, you know, it was it, it was. Out there, and I kind of tried them on the PC, but they, the the 3D ones just never really appealed to me in the same way that the overhead ones did. I'd echo that completely. That's the same way I felt. I I never bothered buying them at all. My my one of my cousins had it on the PC number two, and so every time we went to visit him, we just play the crap out of it. I I have to admit, it'll always be worth kicking around just to have a code to. <laughs> put in so I can immediately jump into a tank and start running over people and then shooting down helicopters. I mean, that's always a good 15 minutes worth of game. <laughs> One thing is uh, I would like to chime in too is just kind of a serious retrospective of uh, my thoughts is that I, I appreciated the the, per, the parody tone of the series all the way up until San Andreas. Like Vice City was my favorite. That's probably the one I put the most time into partially because I'm a fan of Miami Vice, but I like the feel and the vibe, and I thought they really hit the 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 humor and the uh, parody just right. And then they went to San Andreas, and it was all serious and gangsta, and I don't know, I just felt like it lost a lot of it. it of course, it obviously still had its uh, sense of humor, but it had a, a more dark, serious tone, much more so than the others in the series, that I just, they started to make me lose interest. And then they, when 4 came out, I was interested, but it... To be frank, it had so much language in it that I I couldn't play it when the kids were, uh, you know, even when they were kind of young. I didn't want to turn it up too loud, and so I stopped playing it when, uh, you know, until they after they went to bed. And then, so, it, I don't know if Five's going to recapture some of that uh, that classic parody vibe that, you know, they, they really had strong up until that point. But eh, it's just, just some of my random thoughts, one of the reasons why I didn't get into the series as much. I appreciated them on a technical level. San Andreas did some crazy things with a with a PS2 hardware. It was still still an amazing game to go back and see everything they pulled off in it. So, I worked at a rental store when San Andreas was new, and after that hot coffee thing, it was it was never in the store. <laughs> it was crazy. Well, next up, Angry Birds has been downloaded 500 million times. Uh, I I think I'm not the only one who's kind of lamenting this particular part of our <laughs> industry. <laughs> I have nothing against the casual. In fact, anymore, I'd almost consider myself as much of a casual gamer as what you could call a, a core gamer, uh, just because I don't have as much time to get into the game styles I used to. But the fact that there were several other physics engine games like Angry Birds before it came out. There's even copyright disputes about Angry Birds. And 
we look at games like Call of Duty as being this huge thing, and Halo, and Uncharted, and Gears of War. None of these things have anything on Angry Birds. It, it's so funny for to have a huge video game collection, and then talk with your relatives at a random get together, and somebody say, "Hey, have you played Angry Birds? Hey, have you, <laughs> check this out. This is this neat little uh, neat little phone game I got." And I'm sitting here, you know, my head shaking in my hands, and I'm like. Where were you when I tried to show you Star Fox on Super Nintendo? <laughs> every it's, Monday night we meet together for a family dinner, and you just described every Monday night because everyone <laughs> knows I'm in the game. So at least someone mentions Angry Birds to me or gets me to help them pass a level or something like that. <laughs> hey, Kelsey, have you ever heard of Angry Birds? You you like video games, right? Yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> I mean, granted, it's it's a completely different comparison where it's a free or 99 cent game that's accessible anywhere you go versus a $60 epic that you're pouring well I guess in Call of Duty 5 to 10 hours or in other cases 20 hours or more into a single player campaign um, (laughs) you're it's still a very impressive number, and oh, the fact nuts. that it's hitting, you know, we have a, it's not just on one of three consoles or a couple of handhelds. This is on hundreds of devices, so the the fact that it's, you know, it's such a huge potential audience with their phones, their tablets, their PCs even, I mean... And then now with the Chrome uh, web browser having a version that's playable on it, you know, it's definitely hitting a a market that I I would bet that even Farmville hasn't seen. It's insane. I when I took my son to school the other day, they had a pumpkin carving contest, and one of the winners was an Angry Bird pumpkin. One of the best costumes of the school for Halloween was an Angry Birds costume. Mm-hmm. We got my nephew an Angry Birds board game for his birthday, and that was the hit of the. Of the party. It's nice. I, dude, I want that board game. Yeah, it does look awesome. <laughs> I, really does. I mean, I've got the shirts. I've My son has a shirt. I want the board game. And my <laughs> kid can, you know, he's beating our high scores on the game. I mean, it, it, it's it's kind of sad in a way. But, it, you know, it, it's, it's engaging for him to be able to, you know, at least game in some sort of way since he doesn't have a huge interest in... You know, other ways at least. You know, right now, but we, you know, we see the costumes. It's it's a huge hit. It, you know, the, it's it's a great game. I mean, I I, I love mm-hmm. it. It's it's a lot of fun. But what you, it, it's scary to think about how this is altering the industry because you have studios who are pumping you know millions and millions of dollars. You know, development development costs continuously rising. Then you get two guys in a closet who make their own version of a, one of those physics games, and now they're billionaires. Mm-hmm. You know, what are these studios looking at and going, <laughs> we, we, we put all this time and, and money and investment into these, and then, uh, you know, these guys, if, if you're going with a, a strictly business model <laughs> in terms <laughs> of, of effort and money versus what you receive, but there's, that's the reason why you've got, you know, hundreds of thousands of apps on the app store and on mm-hmm. you know all these things. it's so hard to find something that's going to be able to for whatever uh you know practically serendipitous way to make it into a million seller or a 500 million seller mm-hmm. it, it's uh, it, it's that divide between what represents cityville and farmville and angry birds and what represents call of duty and halo and madden uh there's just there's no real bridge there right now and so i'm very curious especially with the digital download games as service model that we keep on referring to uh, it's the landscape of gaming is going to be pretty different pretty soon it used to be when i hear those futurists talk about how different everything was going to be and how cell phones cell phone games were going to start competing with you know ds systems and PlayStation Vita and, and that kind of thing. Yeah, I, I never really took it as seriously until I do now. When you look at something like Angry Birds on a phone that can make more money than Call of Duty 
on all three platforms that it's released on. It's that, or even more actually. That's th- th- this is talking to business people, and that and these business people are who are who going to fund the games for the next generation. I have no problem with that trend. My only wish would be they could find some way to make retail copies of them. I'm not really sold on the digital distribution yet. Well, you'll find good company here with that uh, yeah. sentiment. <laughs> yeah, we're we're collectors, and just having a physical copy of something is is all the difference. I mean, my I've gone through between me and my wife, we've gone through like four iPhones, and we've lost a lot of software that we were not able to get backed up or retrieved from the store. I mean, we've paid for several games that I don't have anymore, and uh, it's so frustrating. Even if it's only a couple of bucks, um, still, you know, you pay for this and you want it to be yours instead of, I pay for it for this device for this time period. And, yeah, that's what we've... Isn't it going to be strange if in another 10 years, all the licensing for Angry Birds is up so you can't download it for... You know, it's like a $50 download suddenly for a phone (laughs) or something like that. I mean, how crazy would that be? But it's it's not without... It's not outside of the realm of a possibility with with the model that this kind of stuff approaches. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why we pay, you know, fifteen dollars, twenty dollars to uh, to buy a digital version of a of a a console game that we can't get anymore. I mean, realistically, Radiant Silver Gun was an awesome deal at fifteen bucks when you can't touch it for under hundred and fifty most of the time online. But in reality, it's just software, you know, you're just paying 15 bucks for Ether <laughs> just to, just to <laughs> download and, and have it sitting there on a hard drive that'll die one day, so. <laughs> Always the optimist, huh? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's why I blew 150 bucks to have a copy <laughs> right next to my Saturn that'll <clears throat> probably die before it, so. Uh-huh. Ironically, my, my copy of Radiant Silver Gun is full of bit rot, so. Oh. Yeah. Ouch. Moving on from happy news. <laughs> Uh, the PlayStation 3 is finally about to catch up with 360 shipments worldwide. Uh, now, this is shipped systems, not actual sell-through, mm-hmm. because these companies are always very protective about... Um, What's actually selling. Exactly. <clears throat> Which, in their defense, is probably kind of hard to tabulate, realistically. Um, PS3, That's- right now, at last count, was sitting at 55.5 million. And 360 just edging out at 57.6. And, of course, both being dwarfed by the Wii at 89.36 million systems. Which, of course, are all being dwarfed by the uh, DS and DS Lite, which is, I think, at 327 billion sold. Is that about right? Billion? <laughs> uh. Which, of course, all fails to compare to Angry Birds being downloaded <laughs> 500 million times. Uh, I've got, man, I've got Angry Birds on my PS3 even. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I think it's crazy how fast the Wii has trended down lately. It was, it was still the, selling well last year. I think way, the way lately the stuff is just because of the Wii U announcement even. Yeah, that could I mean, have a lot to how do lately you're you're talking i mean the last 6 months there's also the fact that the nintendo we doesn't have very many titles that are on the horizon that are very exciting it, it's even for a nintendo system it's been uh, a slower trickle than average mm. and and really the 360 is only in two markets i mean it's it's, yeah, not, it's, it's not selling in Japan. Japan. And so, I mean, it did have the year head start, and, you know, it's still impressive that it's catching up, but, you know, it's, uh, I think, I personally think it's kind of, uh, you know, been coming for a while, but um, I'm just not sure how, you know, I, from what I've seen, you know, some people are expecting the new consoles to not be out by until, well, the new next gen, what they're calling the PS, you know, the PlayStation and 360 successors to be out until even 2014. You know, Nintendo's got their their the new hardware on the horizon. 
So I can see why that's trending down, but, you know, and like you said, the games are slowing already, too. And that could be because they're trying to focus more on getting some games, some more games going on the 3DS as well. Yeah, several development studios have already announced that they're working on next-gen consoles or uh, prototypes, so you're getting more development costs going in there, and they're going to want to recoup those uh, development costs as soon as possible, considering the the downturn market, because they're not making money off of... uh, well, the current consoles, like, you know, the, I mean, the install base is, of course, logically bigger than it ever has been, but uh, except for holiday sales, it's, you know, it's getting to be, like you say, kind of like a downturn market. It's not as much, of course, this holiday season has got some crazy AAA stuff out, and it's, it, this is a great year to be a gamer. And, of course, some of this could be caused by... You know, the economy stuff, you know, the economy's been bad for a while, but it could finally be really catching up on, you know, gamers have always, t- you know, they tend to have their, they'll find money to pay for their hobby. <laughs> but for the sadly general, so <laughs> the general consensus, you know, most people are just, they got to start cutting back somewhere and it, that this may be the time that we're finally seeing that. Yeah. Of course, then again, Nintendo's missing a huge 3ds market with that occupy wall street i mean you've got how many people just kind of sitting there (laughs) (coughs) that actually would be a really good publicity i remember seeing uh videos after the ds launch with guys like mountain climbing and stuff playing it in their tents to promote it yeah i've uh It's kind of funny every time there's a system uh, launch or a, a big title that people are camped out overnight for, you you, you really see uh, <laughs> the, the portable markets come to life. I saw some pretty impressive uh, like DS LAN party equivalents and even Game Boy Advance LAN party equivalents when they're all sitting out there waiting for their game. You know, it's, <laughs> it's always kind of nifty. to. I, I love those midnight launch parties just because you see some neat stuff like that. Goodness. We're behind the times here. They actually just started doing midnight launches for like the first time ever, other than Christmas releases and stuff like that, just in the last couple of weeks up here. What uh, what companies are? Uh, just EB Games so far. Ah. Is it still EB Games up there? Yeah. Oh, cool, because we don't have any more. They all changed over to GameStop around here. Yeah. I th- I'm, I'm quite far from the border, but I think that it's all across Canada. They're all EB Games. I have a a metal plate that is for uh, it, it's a little blurb on uh, Babbage from the namesake of where they uh, the, before Babbage's got bought out and uh, <coughs> mm, can't can't stop coughing. But uh, <laughs> once again, I'm babbling. I don't know if this is relevant to even put in the cast, but <laughs> it was pretty cool because before GameStop bought it out, it was a Babbage's, um, and I got the little metal plate that they had that was as soon as you walk in the store it was the explanation of why the store was named Babbage's about the analytical engine and uh, um, the rise of, of computers and software and stuff and it's kind of a neat little thing I gotta find a place in the basement for and up next we have our exclusive at least the first I'm aware of interview with Crabmaster himself hello so give us an introduction sir well I've been around RFGen for a few years now it's pretty much my my home on the internet first website i always check when i log on i've been playing for since as long as i can remember and collecting probably for five or six years that always makes you you know when you think about it it always seems like it's not as long yeah (laughs) it yeah it wasn't even on on purpose originally (laughs) yeah you, you you younger youngsters talk about that. When I think about how long I've been collecting, I'm just like, oh man, I'm old. <laughs> so for uh, for those who missed the forum where you'd mentioned it, where did your uh, name originate? Uh, some guy's blog that I was reading in like junior high, he, he mentioned a Crabmaster 2000 as some kind of appliance, and I thought it was hilarious. And I'm. <laughs> too lazy to ever come up with something new over the years so <laughs> i just kept that for the last 10 years or so so you mentioned that uh, rf gen is kind of like your one of your um, internet homes how did you find it um i think i was referred there from someone over at racketboy.com 
So what kind of a gamer do you consider yourself to be? Um, kind of a loner gamer. I'll Loner? play anything. Yeah, I'll play anything, but I've never really been into to online multiplayer, MMOs, sports games, stuff like that. I'll play local local multiplayer, but uh, I usually have a harder time finding someone to do that with these days. Yeah. And uh, what along those lines, what kind of a collector would you consider yourself to be? Um, a gamer as a collector. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, every everything I get um, is with the intention of playing. Even the even the rare stuff, hmm. and the and the crappy stuff, and the childish <laughs> stuff. And <laughs> so, out of all that, what's the coolest thing you have in your collection? Coolest is probably my Rekka reproduction. I got it last year um, doing uh-huh. a Secret Santa at Nintendo Age. Um, someone sent it to me, so it's like a custom-made, one-of-a-kind reproduction. So it's extra Very cool. cool. Very cool. Yeah, thanks for turning me on to that. That's now like my favorite Nintendo game. <laughs> it's, it's awesome. The, oh, the guy who made it too, he slapped uh, the safety sticker on the back and it's got like these things not to do with the cartridge to keep it in good shape. And one of them, there's like an alligator and says, don't feed it to the alligator. <laughs> <clears throat> nice. Is there any game that you've regretted getting rid of? Not since I've been collecting, but there's, you know, the stuff that I, when I was a kid, I wish I would have held on to a lot of it. We never had a whole lot of money, so it was when, when I wanted to move from Nintendo to Genesis, I would trade in my system and all the games for the Genesis, and then the same for the N64, and then this, yeah, and on and on and on. So I wish I would have kept on to one or two things, nothing, nothing rare, just nostalgic stuff. Yep. I always found a, an odd bittersweet emotion when I would pick up a game that I'd owned before at least once and get it again for the collection. And I'm like, why did I ever get rid of you? What was I thinking? And it's like, especially some of the stuff that was harder to find because it was like, I'm happy I found this again. Why did I ever get rid of this? (laughs) Some games, especially for Nintendo, I've owned like five or six times. And every time I pick it up again, it's like, this time I will keep you. (laughs) Yeah, I know what you mean. It's it's especially fun collecting for the NES because so many games that I stick in to test them out. And I just get these flashes of renting it one time when I was like five and completely (laughs) forgotten about it. Like crappy things like Carnov or Dash Galaxy. Carnov. Yeah. <laughs> My next door neighbor had Carnov, and I can't tell you how many times I borrowed that game from him. <laughs> uh, we had this rental place called Microplay next to where we lived, and if you got a black gumball in their machine, you got a free rental. And I swear, I they must have lost money on me. I kept getting so many black gumballs, so I rented stuff like <laughs> mad from them. Well, they never saw the Sharpie marker you had in your back pocket either. Yeah. <laughs> I think I got Carnava about half a dozen times from them. <laughs> so they didn't really think that they were losing anything in the long run? No, no. I, yeah, I was going through my dinosaur phase when I was younger. They are probably happy someone was renting Carnov. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we joke, but I, Carnov was one of those games that I had to get into the gaming community to realize that people didn't like it. It was one of those classic cases where at the time when I played it, I just... It was another Nintendo game, you know? It was another another action game that I got to put some time into. Yeah, same with me. That would be a fun segment. We'll have to do that sometime. Games that I didn't realize were supposed to be bad until after I got more into gaming public. <laughs> and because that, that, that was Karnov to me. I, I really got a kick out of it. It wasn't one of the greatest games in my youth, but it was one I, I definitely put time into and had fun with. Mm. And then later, I was reading in a magazine. It was like made some some offhand remark about how terrible Karnov was, and I'm like, what? Oh, that guy's just a... You know, <laughs> that, that, guy's, that, that guy just doesn't agree with me. And then, you know, sure enough, you get all this built-up resentment you read from other people, and I'm like, uh, oh, okay. I, <laughs> I guess I'm in the wrong. Yeah, we liked a lot of crappy games when we were kids that <laughs> we put a lot of time into. Uh, there was one for the Super Nintendo called Spectre, and it was just yeah. wireframe tanks. Yeah, it was horrible. I don't think I could play it for 10 minutes now, but we played that for hours. Space football on Super Nintendo. <laughs> I had no idea just how rough that game actually was. <laughs> and there's, there's a, a strange nostalgia that covers that even for the greatest games. I, I remember being so excited when I went back and picked up Star Fox for the Super Nintendo after like five or six years of not playing it. 
And then I, I thought the game was messed up because it was running at like 10 frames a second. I'm oh. like, this, this can't be right. And then, you know, I put more time into it. And I'm like, how did I miss the thing running this choppy? I mean, you know, you've been, when you don't know any better. You know? yeah. At the time, we were just like, oh, my gosh, unshaded polygons. That is so awesome. <laughs> I love slow frame rates. I actually kind of miss that. I, I, that's that's one thing that I um, it's hard for me to go back. Yeah, it, I have a blast like playing like Contra, Mega Man, anything like when you get all the enemies on the screen that it just legs. I love it. <laughs> oh well, well slow down. That was a survival tactic for old. <laughs> but I, I'm thinking more along the lines of uh, me and my buddy used to play Unreal uh, Tournament on Dreamcast all the time because. I loved it on PC, but um, <clears throat> but I had a lightning strike and it took it out, so that was the only thing I could uh, play it on for a while. We spent a whole summer. We'd crank the AI up t- to the to the Unreal difficulty, you know, the hardest difficulty, and then we would see how many computer opponents we could kill before we got you know before we got killed. At times, we would clear a whole board without getting sh- well. We get shot, but before we before we'd even die, and I was like, man, I I thought we really mastered this game, and then I went back a couple of years later, and I'm like. Oh, this game runs at like 15 frames a second when you have it. Screen. No wonder <laughs> they were just kind of standing there waiting for us to get a headshot before they could react. That <laughs> was like when we used to play Perfect Dark without mm-hmm. the the without ramp the extra pack. Yeah, <laughs> you put on any any amount of computer players and it would freeze half the time. The other time it would just lag. <laughs> we went back to Goldeneye, and uh, you know we, we were just we were so excited to return to Goldeneye and that that classic FPS. I went to the cavern. And then, no matter what direction I turned, it was all brown. Yeah. There was no distinguishing feature <laughs> anywhere. I sat there for like five minutes while everyone else was wandering around. Like, guys, guys, I can't. Uh. I know, even with the radar in that level, you're walking to the walls half the time. <laughs> yeah. Ah, nostalgia. <sighs> so, what gave you the inspiration for the NES 100 and 100 challenge? Um, actually, Link41 on the forums um, was bugging me to get on Backloggery, and I was logging in and everything, and I was pretty pleased with the results for the size of collection I have until I put in my NES stuff. I was, I thought I'd beaten a lot more of them than I had, so I had to <laughs> do something about that. <laughs> have, do you, have you learned anything while you've been doing this? <laughs> Not to listen to every forum member's suggestion for easy games to beat. <laughs> Dude, Battletoads, you'll get it that night. No, Air Fortress. Raptor. Air Fortress. Yeah, I recommend Air Fortress. And same like him, I'd play the first two or three levels and it seems like a cakewalk, but as soon as you hit the halfway mark in that game, it is brutal. Mm. Yeah, I never finished that. Actually, I'm I, you know watching these videos if you play through these games, and I'm like, that's not fair. I put so many hours into that game. You, you beat it. I never got through that stupid game. I put so much time into that game. <laughs> well, a lot of the ones that, I, that I've done already, um, I've put some time into in the past, just maybe not recently, but like I've beaten Battletoads and all the Mega Mans and stuff like that before, but some of them have been months or years ago. You are the first person I've ever talked to that even claimed to finish Battletoads. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, Battletoads, Ghosts and Goblins, um, all the Mega Mans. I beat Mega Man 1 once without uh, without any deaths for a, for oh, a contest wow. online Jeez. or another forum. Wow. Yeah, that's it. You're off, the, you're off the forum. You're off the... Get, get out of here. That's not... No. <laughs> I can't even beat Gutsman without losing a life. <laughs> I did finish the first three Mega Man games uh, when I when I rented them, so I know Mega Man Two. Uh, of course, a lot of people finished that like, you know, the first day that they had it. Um, but that's like the only one out of the series that I know of. But yeah, I, I remember I finished the first three to, to rentals, and the others I never finished. But the, I never thought that Mega Man the first one was quite as hard as what what a lot of people said. I think I had more trouble with um, with the la- la- latter half series than I did with the first one. No, I th- I think the first one I'd call it the hardest just because of the the very last boss run when you've got to do like Bomb Man, Ice Man, Fire Man, Guts Man, and then yeah. on to Wily. That uh, part's okay. really hard to do all at once. 
that that was harder than the like the rest of the game put together. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Uh, I don't remember if it was four or six now that I had the hardest time with. But anyway, six was interesting with the rush adapters uh, actually changing Mega Man's body and like giving you the multiple ways to go through a few of the different levels and. It's an interesting title in the series. Yeah, that you could really tell they were finally kind of breaking a lot of ground with what they could do with the series. Well, at least they fixed it with X. <coughs> yeah, those are those are great. Speaking of what, so you, you slam through all these really hard games that I'm like, ah, uh, you're the gamer that I always assumed I would get to at some point. Um, what would you say is the, the toughest game you've actually ever played? Ever or in this challenge? Uh, we'll go, well, either one. First with the challenge, then with ever, yeah. Um, With the the challenge, it would either be Air Fortress or Double Dragon. They're both different different kinds of difficulties. Because with Air Fortress, it's so much trial and error trying to figure Mm. out how to get through the fortresses. Um, Nothing crazy like like, uh, Legacy of the Wizard or something where you've got to map it out. Navigate the entire thing backwards. It's it's just uh, you got to figure it out and it's hard. So it takes sometimes you you don't get to map it out like you want to because you die before that. Mm. Um, With Double Dragon, the difficulty was a lot higher since you don't ever, you get no extra lives, no continues. And in the last stage, there's the random part where blocks just shoot out of the wall at you for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. So that one, uh, that's probably the hardest one I've done for this challenge. As for ever, it might have to be Rekka. That game's... I <laughs> don't see myself finishing that one. It's too much all at once. It, it's crazy. Especially the uh, the remix, like the second half. Oh, my God. <laughs> Great game, though. Great game. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And um, do you have any kind of recommendations or advice if anybody ever wants to do something similar to what you're doing? <laughs> I'm um, just make sure you've got a lot of time on your hands. I think I'm in a good situation as far as people my age go. With uh, I get to play at work a lot. A lot of my work time I can spend playing games. So yeah, that's like five six hours a night nice. that I that I can play just Man. at work, not including what little time I can scrounge together at home. <laughs> You are the envy of every person our our generation. Right? That's nuts. <laughs> yeah, it's fun fun collecting because um, I actually have time to play it all now. That's awesome. I just thought, well, okay. <laughs> what we're gonna have to do the some some of the the standard questions here to finish up. Worst game of all time. Um, Hide Lied for the NES. Good call. Correct. What's, uh, the, what's your <laughs> sorry, real quick? What's your worst out of your hundred and hundred challenge? Um, worst out of them is Where's Waldo? (laughs) (laughs) I spent about probably three or four hours on that title, and and when I actually beat it and got it recorded, it was like a seven-minute run. Uh, Yeah, it's just ridiculous. Looking forward to the Great Waldo search eventually. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, is... Would you call Rekka your favorite game, or is it... What's what's the best of all time? Not even close. Um, Mega Man 3 and Final Fantasy 9 are probably the two top games. Good call. Good call. I love Mega Man 3. Me too. I've, I've beaten that. I've definitely beaten that game more than any other game I own. Really? At nice. Least, at, le- at least 50 times. I'm more, I guess I'm, I'm the left out here. I'm the Mega Man 2 guy, I guess, over here, but... Oh, it's not left out. That's it's it's <laughs> yeah. kind of like the the Final Fantasy two versus three on Super three. Nintendo. You you've got like two camps, <laughs> two, <laughs> and and it's not like either of them's wrong. It's just that you know just it's a little bit different. Preference. Yep. Yeah. I like three because you still get to fight all the bosses from two, so you get the best of both worlds. <laughs> I I loved the music in three. I mean, they both had great yeah. music, and I you know, but three's my favorite for the two. And a Final Fantasy Nine Defender. I always like to see those. Yeah, big fan. I I will defend that over seven any day of the week. Uh, yeah, of anything past three slash six, I I've I really haven't played many of them. I got into eleven for a while, uh, for some reason. But um, of the ones that I've played, I did enjoy nine a, a lot more than I did seven. Me too. I I like how they're. 
seven, eight, nine are just also different, though. I mean, that's actually one of the things I appreciate about it. They're just very different games, and that's it's nice to have a series where they're you know they are that different, so that you can kind of have a preference like that. You're not necessarily. Yeah. Going back I, to I tried to thing. play through through eight this summer, and I got to the last dungeon and just couldn't do it anymore. I <laughs> didn't really enjoy eight, but I yeah, like you said, I like how how different it tried to be. At least it's not like any other Final Fantasy game I've played. Yeah, yeah, agreed. So if this uh, this kind of splits up all of your different favorites, so what system would be the best? Um, I used to say Super Nintendo, but I think over the last couple of years I've migrated more to the NES. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I don't know quite when it happened, but it's definitely <laughs> the one now. As our tastes mature over old age. We... <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, favorite type of seafood. I can't really stomach most seafood. Tuna, I guess. <laughs> if, you, if you could consider that seafood. <laughs> We're going to skip the irony of that situation and go right into game shout-outs. And I'm going to start off with Aliens Infestation on the DS, made by WayForward, which if you were a fan of Contra 4, you know they know they're, uh, they're 2D excellent. It is a loving homage to the actual Aliens movie done in a Metroid-esque 2D exploration game. Uh, it is just fantastic. So many nice little touches I knew I was in for a treat when uh, your guy's wandering forward before he finds any enemies, and, I, and uh, it has that shriek-type instrumental sound whenever the aliens would jump out in the movie, and you see a cat jump out of uh, out of one of the... It was like a duct or a, a locker or something like that. I mean, just like right out of the movie. It's like, wow, these guys... You, know, you could tell the, the love that went into it. Um, it's It's got that... that Metroid-esque kind of exploration and combat, and it's it controls well. It's just it's going to get missed because it's at the end of the DS lifespan. But uh, definitely pick it up if you're either a fan of Aliens or a uh, fan of that kind of 2D exploration combat game. My next up is Battlefield Three, and I'm not necessarily a first-person shooter nut, but I really have been getting into this because. My my kill death ratio always sucks. I cannot. Uh, I'm, I've never been able to hang with the Call of Duty crowd and and make any progress whatsoever. I just feel like I spawn die, spawn die. And the thing I really like about Battlefield Three is the the team and squad dynamics. Where I I've come a really good rank in my team and never shot a guy. I can be somebody you know chasing behind a tank, just repairing it whenever it gets hit, or I can be a chopper gunner, or um, I can just be the medic that's just kind of hiding and helping out everybody or throwing out ammo and stuff. It's just it has a really fun uh, um, cooperative dynamic that's that you can constantly adjust to different roles and it, that to me has been a lot more appealing than just trying to to get the next headshot on top of the other guy. Um, and if you've got a couple of people that can get on and be a squad together, um, it'll it'll kind of pair you up into a group of four people and uh, you just kind of run out together and try to. There's been a lot of hubbub about the whole Battlefield versus Call of Duty, that kind of thing, and I'm not really into that as much. Like I said, it's uh, it's more about just kind of getting on and having fun as like part of a team that I've really enjoyed with that one. So I just kind of wanted to give it a kudos because that's definitely one that I've enjoyed lately. And then the last one I wanted to throw out was, uh, and I already mentioned this before, Bit Trips uh, Saga Complete. And that one is, I've been playing the Wii version. It is such a marvelous compilation. Uh, we had a lot of fun. We were playing Bit Trip Runner out of the compilation, and we were just swapping the controller back and forth. Uh, as soon as one one person would die, we just hand it to the next one, and it just rewinds the stage to the beginning every time you get hit or uh, fall. You know, like er every time you you die or lose, basically. And it's really fast paced. We were just kind of passing it around. We had a lot of fun with uh, with the Bit Trip games. So buy that compilation. It's awesome. So that's what I've been playing lately. Well, since I mentioned it in the last podcast, uh, I went out. Well, I, I went out. I didn't go anywhere. Um, we had some. Well, my wife on her DSI had some had a thousand points on her, and she because we bought it used and turned it on. Hey, we had a thousand points, so she had never uh, used any of them. So I went out and uh, got uh, the DSIware Cave Story. Oh, nice! And I have been replaying that after I played the PC version already. It is 
spot on with the PC version. Um, the same graphics, which it's not a bad thing. It's a 2D sprite-based side-scrolling shooter adventure game. It's, I think not, ne- it's not overly long and engrossing. You can play through it several times, and there are several endings for... Uh, depending on, you know, some actions you may take in the game. So, I mean, that's really where where I've spent my time, but I have to mention this. I haven't heard anything about this, but if none of you have used this yet, the, the transfer software tool for the transferring from the DSi to the 3DS is awesome. I mean, it just sounds like it's something simple where you're copying software from one to the other. But on the DSi, it doesn't really do anything. But on the 3DS, if you watch it, when it actually initiates the transfer, you are watching on the top screen a horde of Pikmin running across your screen. And you see where they they cross the threshold between your 3DS and the DSi. And they go over and they pick up the the little square icon that's for the the DSi uh, title, and then they carry it over to the 3DS, and then they flip it over, so it's wrapped up in a nice, neat little package. I mean, it's it's nothing major, but it's a nice little touch that just that I definitely wasn't expecting. I'm glad I watched it to make sure that it, you know, the the transfer started okay. But it really was. I was just standing there, and I couldn't I couldn't turn away from it. It was really it was just a you know a nice little Nintendo touch that they put on it's that little why, just that little tool. It's why I love Nintendo. I mean they they put nifty little things in there all the time. That it's just like when you're downloading a downloading something on the Wii and you see Mario doing his little you know dash across and jumping up and hitting coin blocks. Mm-hmm. It's just you know they, they put those neat little touches in there that shows that you know they're kind of paying attention. It's you know. You, you re- you don't get that nearly as often every on occasion, but you don't get that nearly as often from you know like Microsoft or Sony. It's mm. Nintendo's a game company from the very beginning, and it shows. Yeah, I've watched a lot of boring Sony loading screens in the last few months. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what does the PS3 give us? Snake smoking. <laughs> uh, for an hour. No. <laughs> oh, least. and. Yeah, I have to. I have to mention too that uh, Cave Story 3D on the 3DS. I think it's next week. It's real soon, and uh, I've read like one. I think it was an import review on it that said it was. It was a give it like a ten out of ten. They said it was absolutely outstanding. That the uh, the update was just was just marvelous. So, yeah, that that's probably my next 3DS purchase next to uh, Mario. Really looking forward to both of those. Mm. Well, Mr. Kelsey, you want to give us a list of all of your game shoutouts? Mm. Well, the the list is pretty big lately, so I'll just pick a couple of favorites. Um, as far as multiplayer games for the NES goes, check out World Games if you haven't yet. It is like an Olympic big sports type event. Um, there's like uh, weightlifting and cliff diving, <clears throat> bull riding, but uh, it's it's okay by yourself. But if you get a few people, um, it's just awesome competing against each other. Especially like log rolling and sumo wrestling are really boring by yourself, but if you get two ple- people just mashing buttons, it's it's hilarious. <laughs> um, and it controls better than caveman games. I didn't have any troubles with the caveman controls. Oh I, man! Although we, we, <laughs> we tried I've, to go back and we couldn't. <laughs> well, I don't know why, but we could not figure out half the controls on the game. We were like, "This is simple. Why can't we do this?" <laughs> That's one thing I, I did before a few of the games, especially with the sports ones, was I went on Nintendo Age and they've got scans of all the manuals. So mm-hmm. I, I read through the manuals for the controls. And yeah. some some of them, like the like the Dino Vault, isn't exactly intuitive. Mm. But if you, if you read the manual, it makes perfect sense. And it's really easy to do after that. We'll have to uh, keep that in mind next yeah. time. <laughs> yeah, as far I like, I think even for all the rare games, they've got them scanned there. So it's been a good resource for me for a few different games. Particularly the little sports ones, so Snoopy, mm. Silly Sports, World Games, and Caveman Games all had uh, at least one event in them where I couldn't figure them out on my own. Nice. Yeah. It was something besides jam on a button. Got it. Yeah. 
another shout out will go to Power Blade. I've already written written a a blog about it, but yeah. it's one of my favorite NES games. It's just awesome. Um, it's like Contra, but with a little little more style with the boomerang weapon. Um, I don't know. Given the choice over the two, I'd probably pick Power Blade. Honestly, too. I just the music in it's awesome. The battles, the boss fights are all fun. It's just a great game. Very cool. Yeah. Well, in light of the uh, recent Halloween uh, that we kind of missed to be able to catch for this particular episode, but uh, since we're we're already past it, we're going to go ahead and do a top five games that still need zombies because, you know, we need more zombies and things. Number five, Mist 7, The Ultimatum. Let's just say you have to solve the puzzles a little faster. Number four, Brain Age. Train your brains in minutes a day. Number three, NBA Live. Not only is this series already dead, it's a perfect workaround for the lockout. Number two, Metal Gear Solid Five: Die, Snake, Die. And the number one game that still needs zombies, Tetris. We'll leave you with that thought as we close up shop here at RF Generation Nation. As usual, you can reach us on the rfgeneration.com forums where you can read blogs, use our collection management tools, or challenge Kelsey's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle speed run. Good luck. You can also reach us by phone at area code 318-RFG-TIP-5. That's 318-734-8475. You can send us an email at podcast at rfgeneration.com. Those two methods are also the same way that you can send in your podcast contest entries we still don't have a winner quite yet um and you can also chat with us in our irc room on quakenet we're in channel rf generation as always keep it on channel three